0: I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians. The letter to the Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be reading verses 15 through 20. It's one of many excerpts of scripture which call upon believers to sing, but you may protest, I don't have a good voice. That is irrelevant to the scriptures. And when we're mature and honest about it, we take a step back from it, we realize that singing requires more than a voice or a tongue or good pitch. The kind of singing that is described is one that infiltrates your entire life. A heart so saturated with the love of God and the adoration of God that your life itself, sometimes without even opening your mouth, sings nothing but praise and thanks. Listen to these words of Scripture. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the Lord's, what the Lord's will is, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless the reading and the hearing of the word today. You always run the risk of having Jewel Therrington precede you. Uh, Two minutes with Jewel is, I hope you'll agree, far better than 20 minutes with me. But this will be a feature in the fall. As we make our way through the fall, uh, we are using hymns of faith, old ones and new ones, in some ways to anchor our thoughts or provide some sort of a theme that will bind together the worship service. And this time of sermon and reflection and one of the ways we want to make sure that this is a church-wide enterprise is among those who are homebound those who are unable to make their way in to have a chance to speak up and speak out according to that prompt and so jewel very courageously has led the way for us today we all have a favorite hymn Uh, perhaps we have favorite hymns they call to mind specific experiences in our lives When our lives finally connected with an idea or with an awareness or with an experience and we can't separate that experience then from the music that opened the door for us. I had one of those experiences many years ago when I was in seminary. Uh, Duke Divinity School wanted to have a photo shoot. They wanted to upgrade the, kind of the web presence, they wanted to make some new brochures, and so they wanted to get pictures of students in worship. And so they invited us all to the chapel, and there gave us hymnals, and we had to look like we were worshiping. Of course, this wasn't video, so we had to look very engaged, And so we just decided to unify ourselves in one song. And somebody said, let's sing O for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Imagine my Baptist surprise when I turned to it in the Methodist hymnal and found out there are 19 stanzas to O for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Way beyond the musical text, there's stanza after stanza in this great ode Of praise to God and the salvation that Charles Wesley experienced in Jesus Christ. And so we sang, and we sang, and we sang. And one of the things I noted about this hymn, and maybe one of the reasons it's so enduring, is that even though it is singable and memorable, It brings such a depth of character, of spiritual character, and tradition, and even scholarship into your mind and into your heart. It's really astounding. There are multiple references to the Holy Trinity. There are biblical names for God all over. Not the same one, and not you with a capital Y, or he with a capital H. Redeemer, King, Master, Jesus, Savior, Christ, my Head, Son of Righteousness, Lord, Holy Ghost, Son of God, Lamb of God. All of these wrapped up in 19 stanzas that Charles Wesley composed on the first anniversary of his own dawning to faith. His own awareness. In 1740, it was published, and it was entitled, For the anniversary day of one's conversion. It doesn't fit in the hymnal, so we didn't put it that way. But does it sound a little different? Does it call to mind something different for you? When you sing it, remembering it is for the anniversary day of your conversion. And it's sad that we don't include all 19 stanzas. Right in the middle, stanza 10, there's a beautiful remembrance Sudden expired the legal strife, t'was then I ceased to grieve. My second real, living life then began to live. And that impulse to see the transforming power of God, that touched Wesley, right at his core is something that he wants to share with everyone. And I mean everyone. You get to the end and he doesn't run out of people who might need to hear the gospel. Harlots, Publicans and thieves in holy triumph join. Saved is the sinner that believes for crimes as great as mine. Murderers and all ye hellish crew in holy triumph join. Believe the Savior died for you. For me, the Savior died. With me, your chief, chief of sinners. He's alluding to uh, an excerpt from 1 Timothy. With me, your chief, Ye then shall know, shall feel your sins forgiven, anticipate your heaven below, and own that love in heaven. Wesley had a lot to say, or a lot to sing, to God, and to the world, and every person in the world. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing is his earnest prayer. And I've discovered that the thoughts that really matter, the thoughts that endure, like Wesley's here in this hymn that even 250 plus years later, we continue to sing, don't come to us as an entitlement of faith. Very often, these experiences that erupt from our own heart and from the very core of who we are, deep down in our souls, are one in moments of strife and difficulty of doubt and discovering god is faithful so like when the apostle paul writes to the galatians for instance it is no longer i who live but christ who lives in me and the life that i live in the flesh i live by the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me it is not simply something that came out of chat gpt it sounds Good enough. It sounds pious enough. This was the hard won and, in a sense, hard fought experience of Paul to release his own striving to discover that he is now crucified with Christ, in his words. And that same Christ animates his daily living. He couldn't wait to tell everyone he met. Think about Martin Luther when he was called before all the princes of the uh, territories in, in what is now Germany, in a city called Worms. There, Charles V called upon him to recant his Protestant heresy. And there, before the emperor, and there before all the princes, Luther says, my conscience is captive to the word of God. To go against my conscience is neither right nor safe. Therefore, I cannot and I will not recant. Here I stand. Here stay. Sounds stronger in German. I can do no other. He didn't just think that up the night before. But this was instead the fruit of a long and agonizing journey for Luther through his own childhood, through his own mistakes, through his own life of faith and the deep, dark restlessness of soul that he experienced in all of the choices he made to that point. And one day discovers in release how the word of God has liberated him from all that striving on his own in christ it was done for him and he wasn't going to move from that spot there was no power on earth that was going to get him to do that and so we can sometimes pass some of these scripture verses some of these hymns back and forth we can pass these memorable quotes and and claim them as our own but i wonder sometimes if we aren't selling all they have to say short because we don't share the lived experience of faith that sometimes these authors bring to us, what a gift that we get to repeat them over and over again, that we get to share them until they do become truly our own, inscribed so deeply into our lives through sheer repetition that they begin to form the way we walk and talk and move. And so here in Ephesians we hear a um, a very common metaphor calling the people of God to live wise lives that is lives that are lived according to the will and the way of God with the grain of God's will instead of cutting against it go with it go with that flow of the Spirit using a metaphor that he assumed would be familiar to most people. And I'm sure in this group of Baptists it would not. But if you drink too much wine, he says, you're going to get drunk and you're going to lose your senses. Trust me, uh, it's true. It's true. People could resonate with that. You're going to lose your way. You're going to lose your bearing, and you're just simply going to give yourself over to the passions and the needs of the moment and the present circumstances. But there is another way for us to be filled, and not with the stuff of this world, but instead to be filled by the Spirit of God. And allowing the Spirit of God into your life, into your senses, into your heart, and to dare... To express these faith convictions in action, this great cup of your life and the great vessel that is this community can be filled with the Spirit. Our minds, our mouths, our actions can all share a bit of the very wisdom of God by the inspiration of that Spirit. And so today we get a great mixed metaphor, and I love mixed metaphors because I use them all the time. Speak to one another in songs. Speak to one another in songs. What does that mean? Well, at the surface level, I think it means taking the content of our worship, what it is we dignify in this space with special attention, with special preparation, these words that have enduring quality that come to us as an inheritance, that are given to us to make our own, and share them with one another so that our worship doesn't have to be kind of improvising each and every week, oh gosh, what am I going to say? But instead, referring back to this great resource of Scripture and the great treasury of hymns and prayers and and, and faithful declarations that God's people have shared with us for so long. Even the Apostle Paul did it, probably most famously in Philippians chapter 2. When his own kind of prosy dictation uh, ran a little dry, he quotes a hymn. And you know that hymn. Christians knew it really well. It was very popular, I guess. Who, being in the very nature of God, talking about Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be exploited. But taking on the form of a slave, he humbled himself, even to the point of death, though even the crosses death and quoting that song he captured more than paragraph after paragraph might have been able to capture going forward even the verse that precedes our reading today verse 14 in ephesians chapter 5 is believed to be an excerpt from a christian hymn and so it reads this way but everything exposed by lo- the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light And then this is the quote. This is why it is said, quote, Wake, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's believed to have been a hymn that was sung at a believer's baptism. And so sharing these sacred words together, these times and experiences together, is not simply a project of trying to get everybody to see things the way you see them or to believe things exactly the way you believe them, but instead to gather around a common point of contact that allows us collectively to be able to access together the tremendous embrace of God. And so for me, a song I would love for us to sing, like, you are my all in all, Dennis Jernigan. You are the treasure that I seek, taking Excuse me, seeking you like a precious jewel, Lord to give up, I be a fool. You are my all and all. Taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name. You are my all and all. I think Jernigan wrote those words for me. And I had a literal mountaintop experience around that song. I will never forget it. It's sort of tattooed somewhere in my soul and in my calling. But as we share words like that, it may invite you to a place where you need to hear or experience God in a new way. Years ago, when I was doing youth ministry, I took my youth to Passport Camp. And there in Monroe, we were on a work team that volunteered at a skilled care facility. And they sent us back to the memory care unit. And there, as we sat in a circle with all of these memory care residents, many of whom were not even engaging, just sort of looking quietly down at their feet, some from their wheelchairs, some from regular chairs. The activities director took out a great big beach ball about this big, very colorful, and just sort of popped it at somebody, and it bonked her in the head, and she looked up and she smiled, and she bonked it at somebody else. And pretty soon, the beach ball was just sort of bonking, and we sat in quiet for a long time. And then somebody, and I don't know who, started singing Amazing Grace. And we all know how it goes. Amazing Grace, how sweet. And, and with the soft kind of pump and, and, and bump of the, of the uh, beach ball, we, we had our drum set. And we sang. We got through the end of the first verse. And it got quiet again. And so we sang Amazing Grace again. For two hours in this memory care unit, of course, we weren't going to venture very deep into the hymnal. We weren't even going to go much further into that hymn. But I was amazed. Even those who were not verbal hummed the melody. And I heard and saw with my own eyes how deeply inscribed these words and this commitment of faith was in the lives of those who had been saturated in it probably since childhood. And even though when their family visited, that person may not recognize their loved one anymore. And some of you know that pain. And even though they struggle to verbalize anything that they may be thinking as a complete thought, and you all have seen that struggle, when it came down to it, below all the pain was good news, amazing grace sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me i once was lost but now i'm found was blind but now i see the power to gather around the enduring words that matter transcend our own understanding sometimes think about that for us if we're going to speak one another in songs it's going to be more even than sharing the sacred words that we experience and we lift up in this place with all their dignity with all of their power how can you go out into the world and speak to one another in the same words that you offer to god particularly if they don't share your frame of reference It may not be teaching them all the hymns you already know, but instead translating those words into the works of your hands, into the attention of your life, to the broadness of your compassion and your generosity. So often I think that we take the stuff of our worship and we leave it here. We say it's personal and we leave it in church But is it possible to imagine how something like Amazing Grace or Oh for a Thousand Tongues can be translated into your daily life? Every Sunday, we leave this place singing the same song. It's not a mistake. As we come back to the same benediction song sometimes for months, sometimes for an entire year, right now we're singing this. We are a family of faith, a chosen generation. By grace, we've been saved. And we're not ashamed to say we're a family of faith we are children of the Lord and in unity we'll stay a family of faith now is this our family is it limited to those that I see today or is there a way for all that we celebrate in this place, all that we transfer back and forth, directing our collective attention to God to make its way out in the world. As the Apostle Paul wrote, and is captured so well in Eugene Peterson's message, Romans chapter 12, he says this, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, to sing about what God has done and what God was doing and what God would do through Wesley and Jesus Christ. He put pen to paper and he wrote a beautiful hymn. But it was wishful thinking. He had one voice. He had one life. And it was great poetry to be able to talk about his passion and the sheer zeal with which he wanted to share this good news. But every Sunday when I look out, I see that, that his prayer is being answered. I kind of heard Richard talking about it. Oh, for a dozen hands to serve. But I look out here and I see many more voices. I see many more hands. I see many more lives. And I see that prayer for a thousand tongues being answered here at Yates. And I want to know if you see yourself participating in that vision that we celebrate here with the sacred words and the sacred songs. Will it show up at school and at work and on Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday to be the people who make their way out in the world, helping others that meet Jesus so that song that we sing about being a family of faith recognizes, if we could put it in parentheses, we're a growing family of faith. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Could we be the church? Where a thousand tongues sing. A thousand tongues? Maybe we're selling God short.